You're listening to the unofficial Shopify podcast. This podcast is brought to you by WebsiteRescues.com. Are you making the most of your store? To download a totally free guide with 25 conversion rate optimization ideas you must know about to effectively optimize your Shopify store, head to WebsiteRescues.com and fill out the form. Shave off hours of guesswork and start growing your revenue. Welcome back to the unofficial Shopify podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Kurt Elster. I got good news. I'm really, really thrilled. Um, this is the 12th episode. When we started it, I really didn't know what to expect, but we've got, um, I just looked at the stats. We posted the 11th episode and within 24 hours got um, 275 listens, which really, you know, when starting from zero, 10 episodes ago, that um, I'm very grateful. So thank all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and joining me today is Jeff Sheldon from Ugmunk. Is it is it called Ugmunk? Yep, that's how you say it. <laughs> so Jeff, um, where are you today? I am uh, in the suburbs of Philadelphia. Okay, yeah. And um, Nathan Peretic introduced us, and Nathan's from United Pixel Workers, and for, well, formerly now Cotton Bureau. Yep, yeah, those guys are great. Yeah, and you're in, um, so I'd asked him for a recommendation. I said, you know, anybody else who'd be a, a good fit? And he uh, mentioned you, I went to your site, um, and I saw I saw your goods. You've got some T-shirts with great designs. Um, I will call them designy designs because they are, um, and some wax canvas and leather products that I really loved. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But tell me about Ugmunk. Sure. Yeah. So Ugmunk was started uh, as a creative outlet for me back uh, in 2008. It was really just okay. a passion project. Um, so were you? So you had a? Were you full time employed? Were you doing something else? Uh, yeah, I was uh, working at a design agency. It was actually my first job right out of college. Uh, <laughs> studied graphic design, jumped right into an agency, and then a couple months into that, as a junior level person there, uh, found myself wanting to do something more creative to fill right. the fill the evenings and weekends. And uh, so I started Ugmunk just as really just as a little thing, uh, a creative outlet. And is that are you full time with it now? Yep. Yeah, I've been full time for I guess about the last four years. Congratulations. You know, that's good. It's a, I think a question a lot of people have is like, how do you, how do you make that jump and how do you know when to make that jump? Yeah. And it's, it's really different for each person and each scenario. So a lot of the time, I feel like a lot of people are looking up, you know, Googling what is the, when is the right time? How much money do I need? Um, what are the risks involved, uh, involved? And for me, uh, in my scenario, what I had done was for the first two years, I had built up the business, um, solely by just reinvesting all of the profit back into the business, not touching any of the cash, um, just building up an inventory and growing the brand organically and slowly. Um, so when it came time that the biz- this little side project was becoming um, a business, which I literally had no intention of doing, um, when it became time to make the, the decision whether to cut back Ugmunk or to quit my job, um, I went for it. I didn't have a lot of financial obligations. I didn't have a house, a mortgage, anything at the time. So <laughs> no kids, um, I assume. No kids. Yeah, uh, my wife was working. So, you know, the, the joke at the beginning was that my wife was uh, um, paying the bills and I was the starving artist uh, making T-shirts. <laughs> yeah, uh, and you say that as a joke, but like, and it is a joke until you're in that position. And then suddenly, like, you start feeling kind of self-conscious about it. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, we're, we're on the same team um, going into it. So my wife and I both 
felt the same way. She was actually the one encouraging me when it got to that point to, yeah, to go full time. And yeah, it's um, amazing to have that that support network for sure. Yeah, yeah, and it had gotten to the point where we were, you know, every weekend we were packing shirts and driving to the post office and writing out customs forms and. Uh, you know, folding shirts in our little apartment. So it was definitely like it, it was the time we knew it was the time uh, to jump when it came um, two years in. Okay, that makes sense. Um, so uh, do you manufacture your own goods? Um, no, so I don't manufacture any of the, the products, um, but I design every single product. Um, and I, I've done that um, on purpose because I'm not a screen printer. I'm not a leather right. worker. Um, there's people out there that have the expertise in that. And what I do is I work with people all over the U S uh, mostly small family run businesses, um, to do those different items. So I have people out in Kansas city, I have people in Portland and Seattle and all different areas that do each, each product. And that's what they specialize in. So, so how I do you go about like finding, I mean, that, that system makes total sense to me. Um, so how do you find and, and spec out and pick, um, a vendor for something? Uh, a lot of Googling, a lot of phone calls, and uh, getting samples. Um, okay. Some of some of the vendors are easier to find. You know, it's it's a lot easier to find someone that's going to screen print shirts. Um, it might not be easy to find a good screen printer, but it's easier to find something like that as opposed to someone that specializes in leather and wax canvas and has the the machinery and the knowledge to do that. So it's just a right. lot of a lot of searching, uh, emails, and and sometimes just a very long process. Yeah, and then even then it's tough, you know, because you've got to, you know, you have to balance your your want for quality with, you know, a price point that'll sell. Um, like I know, you know, you've got these, I'm sure you ran into this, but uh, like you're selling, you've got a slim card wallet um, and the folding wallet. And the, you know, as soon as you start adding the complexity of like a bifold wallet, suddenly the price goes way up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And And the price point on a lot of our stuff is definitely more of a premium price point. I wouldn't call it uh, you know, it's not luxury price point, but it's it's a higher um, price than you might see going to a department store. Yeah, but that's because but, everything's made in the U.S. and uh, oh, it is you know, U.S. made. Very good. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I don't know. I I guess you're right. I become desensitized to it because as soon as I you know st- the more I learn about manufacturing, you know, and what it goes into just running a store and getting goods made, like the the more I appreciate it and the higher price I'm willing to accept. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the same thing for me. Like going into it. You just expect things to be cheap. Um, you know, you can go to go to Walmart and get something super cheap, but you don't realize the amount of labor and then the unfair wages that might have been, you know, to compensate the actual labor to make that product super cheap. And uh, goes with really anything. You start to understand all the costs involved, and you're actually willing to pay more because you understand the the process. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so tell me about uh, well, what are some things you want to talk about? What do you want people to know about about you about Ugmonk? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, what I try to emphasize to a lot of people who are starting their own brand or looking to start an e-commerce shop, they have an idea or they want to make shirts um, because it looks really fun. Because <laughs> who doesn't want to make a shirt, right? Like screen printing a shirt, it sounds fun. You get to wear it. Um, but right. what I try to and emphasize— they don't know the dark truth. Yeah, exactly. There's so much more than just designing and printing the shirt. Um, and— I think probably if I divided up my day in a very general sense, it's probably, you know, 10% creative, 90% everything else. And that 90% everything else involves, you know, customer service and inventory management and production and working on uh, promotion, social media and concepts and brainstorms and putting out fires. And when things go wrong, you know, problems with shipping and, and all of these like 
non-creative, not super glamorous or fun things. Um, and if you're not willing to put in all of that work, then there's a good chance that, you know, it's, you're going to, the passion for it's going to die off pretty quickly after you run into your first issue. (laughs) Yeah. You quickly, you have to love what you do and be passionate, enthusiastic about it. Or, you know, the moment you get like a a snotty customer email, you're going to lose interest very quickly. Um, so, so talking about those, um, that kind of day-to-day drudgery, you know, what are some, some things, some ways you found to, to automate some tasks, make your life easier? Um, trying to think off the top of my head. I don't have a lot of things necessarily automated, but the drudgery of those tasks, I, I've tried to change my perspective and see that as a challenge. And I've um, realized that I actually like to learn new things, even if they're unrelated to design or maybe not the creative side of the business. But when it's it's something that I want to learn about, I, I you know, I dive in and I'm looking up, reading books, doing research, listening to podcasts and see it as a challenge. So it's when it's something I don't know about, um, and I'm interested in whether it's the marketing or business side of the uh, of what I'm doing, that um, makes sense. or just any of it. You know, learning how to do better product photography and just um, I you didn't. Have, you know, re- yeah, and you have very good photos on here. Thanks. Yeah, it's a clear that's something style. that the design of the store, the theme, um, it's it is really slick. It's very nice, um, and it's not just like slick for the sake of it. Um, it's got uh, got some very nice features in here. Uh, definitely, uh, usability was thought out here. On your product page, you've got this really cool. Um, I love the way the size the size chart opens and doesn't have you leave the page. I think that's great. Um, and this availability thing with the the bar graphs is really cool. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, it's all those little touches, uh, and it's been a continuous refinement of what we're, what the the website looks like. Um, when we put it up, when I put the first website up, it was atrocious. It was so bad. I had like uh, this was, you know, six years ago, I had the wood grain background and, you know, everything, there was no live fonts. It was all like images and just, it wasn't great at all, but, but it was sold, enough to, didn't you? yeah, it was enough to, to showcase the product. And, uh, yeah, I think that's what people don't get. Like you have to, you know, it's better to just get it out the door and get started and then iterate on it than to try and polish it perfect before anyone's ever seen it. Exactly. Especially on the digital side of things on the website, um, things like the actual product, I'm a little bit on the flip side. So I actually think you need to perfect that more before you put it out. Because if I had put those first four designs and printed them on shirts, sold them, and people thought they were going to be great when they got them, they thought they were terrible. I can no longer iterate or improve that once the customer has it. But on the digital side, you know, maybe the blog didn't look great at first, or maybe the, the fonts were too small or the UI was too complex. Those things I can continue to to tweak over time as opposed to waiting, 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 and then never launching because I, you know, I'm not happy with it. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, and I find, you know, there are clients I find that do that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So what, how do you, as wonderful as your products are, it's still, it's tough because you would be, you're in a crowded space. Like there's, a, there's a lot of people that sell clothes. So there's a lot of people selling cool t-shirts. Um, so how do you stand out? How do you promote it? Word of mouth is is everything for me, um, and whether that's social media, which I would just say is like digital word of mouth, and it's easier to spread via word of mouth, um, or just happy customers, you know, my loyal fans and people that have been watching the entire journey for the last two, four, six years, and come back and they're telling their friends about it because they truly like the products. Uh, we don't even have any type of rewards program or, or compensation in place. Um, it's, it's just because people really enjoy what I'm making. And that's super humbling for me as the creator, um, to know that people like it enough to talk about. But if the products were just boring or the quality was mediocre, 
people aren't going to talk about it. It's just going to be another T-shirt, which there's thousands or hundreds of thousands you could choose from. Um, so I really try and put everything into the designs to make them really unique and make them uh, remarkable so that people will want to talk and spread well, the so word. You were, you were passionate, and then that passion comes through and shows through. Exactly, yeah. I mean, the design, the design is still the, I call it a design-driven brand because the design is still the priority to me. Um, I'm not going to, I do every, I have it shows through. a hand it really in each does. product. It shows. Thanks. Yeah. That's, that's the goal. And, and that's what I, my vision for, uh, continuing to, to drive the business forward. So you've, so would you, have you had some success with social media? I mean, I'm looking at your, uh, yeah. I'm looking at your Instagram feed. It's really good. Gee, and you have 18,000 followers. Yeah. And that's, you know, something that I haven't strategically tried to build or, I mean, I've tried to build it, but I haven't you know, bought followers or, um, but the, the Instagram and the, the curation of that feed, um, is just me and the way that I see life and the way that I'm, uh, recording different visual things that interest me. And it's not necessarily just about putting product in every shot. Um, I do incorporate that because that's part of my life and that's what I do. And, you know, sometimes that's, stuff that I'm working on, but I, it's also something cool that I saw when I was out on a hike or something like that. It's cool though. I mean, it, it hangs together and it works because it's like the way you described it just then, you know, made it sound like, well, you know, I took pictures of my lunch and then I took pictures of my t-shirt. But the reality of it, reality of it is if you look at your Instagram, you know, it comes across as this incredibly well thought out, curated, um, lifestyle brand. Yeah, that's the goal. And again, it's not necessarily a business strategy, but it's just because the brand is me and my personal taste and the brand are so closely tied together. Um, so the trick here, really what you're saying is that you're just a cool guy. So it just works out. <laughs> I think my Instagram might make me look cooler than I actually am. I'm just a normal that's, guy. Well, that's make... the point of it. I think everybody's social media. It's their, the highlight reel of their life. Exactly. We don't want to see the the ugly stuff, but uh that, you know, keeping that really, really tightly curated and that, that aesthetic that might be um, product or it might be something that's just inspired me or, or a city that I'm visiting, all of that has the same consistency because it's all coming from me. So I see you've got, um, of your, your products, you, know, you do clothing, um, you've got bags and wallets, so accessories, prints, which are cool, um, and kids, which it's still, it's t-shirts, but it's its own, its own vertical. Um, so what's, what's the biggest seller? What's your, your most successful thing? Uh, the t-shirts are still our our primary um, or our, our best selling item if collectively um, but the the other lifestyle goods have really taken off and become a, a big supporting uh, part of the business the the messenger bags that we launched um, I guess it was last spring and some of the new leather goods have been been really big the last six months and uh, that's just really rewarding for me because it's a whole new product category and it's something much more complicated than than a t-shirt. You know, a t-shirt is pretty proven. It's yeah, t-shirt. Everyone knows what they're getting. Um, exactly. Well, I shouldn't say it's easy, but it's harder than manufacturing. You know, a larger soft good. Um, but yeah, I think like in the case of a waxed canvas messenger bag, and it's totally coincidental. I had this conversation with someone a couple of weeks ago. It's hard to find a good wax canvas bag because he came to me he said you've got a this old wax canvas bag i want a wax canvas bag for work find me one and we actually struggled like it was hard yeah it's surprising because you think everything has been done before which it has um you know and there's tons of bigger brands or bag brands that are doing things but because we're in such like everyone has such specific tastes now and nobody wants to have the you know the same bag that all 50 other people have on the on the bus and we all have different needs. We all have different aesthetics and uh, our preferences and styles. Um, 
that there's a lot of a lot of times there is big holes in the market for things like these niche products that are um, designed around something like our bags with the the natural materials and the the way that they they function and wear. Yeah, um, yeah. If anything, I'd say probably like a lot of your stuff is is underpriced. I think you could sell this for for more than you do. Um, it just looks like really quality, high quality stuff. Um, mm. Like definitely these bags. Like uh, I mean, you could round up to two fifty, three hundred for sure. Yeah, and price is a funny thing too, because like we don't have a formula necessarily to, you know, four four x markup and and get our wholesale pricing set in and and figure out how can we save a dollar or two here here or there because we're selling directly to the customers and we do very very little wholesale. Um, we're actually able to eat some of that margin where whereas typically we'd actually need to sell that bag for for two times the price of what it is if we wanted to, to sell wholesale. So. Um, we're in an interesting, you know, we live in an interesting day and age where we can sell um, directly to the customer. We don't need distributors and wholesalers to support our entire business. And you do uh, which any, has, so you don't do any wholesale? Uh, we do select wholesale. Um, we have uh, a variety of smaller boutiques and, and specialty stores that carry our products, but and only a limited that, range uh, of things. How's that experience been? Because I've heard, you know, I've dealt directly with, with retailers in that side. Um, in the past, and I know I, other people have, and complained about it. Like, you know, retailers are, are will beat you up on stuff. Yeah, I mean, from the little experience that we've had, it's it's really tough. And especially <laughs> as you get into doing bigger, if you're trying to get into bigger uh, retailer accounts, they get to dictate, you know, they get to say, no, we'll only buy it from you if it's X price. And sometimes that X price might be the cost of what it costs us to make the product. So there's no way we can do it. You know, we have zero right. margin. Um, and it's like they they tell you basically, well, figure out your price, figure out the way to get your your costs lower, and then come back, and we'll be happy to work with you. Um, and that's just not how my you know the the brand that I've started and and um, run. That's not that's not my vision is to make things cheaper and cheaper and find ways to cut corners. It's more about let's just go directly to the customer, educate them on why these things are special and what the the thought that I put in each, into each of them. And uh, don't worry about necessarily getting to the masses and, and selling thousands or selling, you know, selling my company to someone. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, when, when people start out, they've got this vision in this, their head where they're going to be like, you know, in some big national retail chain and, you know, be sitting up in their, their big tower in New York um, making millions <laughs> yeah. of dollars. But like there's a lot of headache um, and peril that goes along with that. And there's actually... Um, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with making a a solid living just selling direct to consumers and not having employees, like that radically simplifies your life. You yeah, and that's one reason why I've kept it uh, relatively small is because of those because it simplifies so much, and I don't have uh, you know a team of twenty people that I have to be responsible for, and if we have a down month, am I going to hit payroll? And um, managing all of the extra stuff that comes along with growing a company. Um, as opposed to what I do now, where I wear twenty different hats a day, and I'm doing product photography and design, and uh, you know, social media and blogging, and and all those things that I'm doing now, um, I can just put a hand in each one of them. Might not do all of them perfectly, um, and may not do as much as I want to do in each of those areas, but it allows me to to simplify things and not have a lot of that overhead. Yeah. So what? Uh, let's see. Of the t-shirts, what's the best-selling t-shirt? I'm looking right now. Um, the best-selling shirt, I believe, is the Mountains Classic. Uh, it's the the black mountain shirt, and it's got the blue and red overlapping triangles on it. Um, I'm pretty sure that's still our all-time bestseller. The the other one that's up there is the 
gray and then I woke up shirt with the, the large black ampersand on it. And that was actually one of our earliest designs that got picked up on a lot of blogs and started the momentum of of uh, pushing the brand out to the to people. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, the ampersand definitely stood out to me immediately. Um, and I know, like, I just felt like, oh, I've seen this before. Like, as soon as I saw it, it, it resonated. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew that was that was totally a cool shirt. And these hoodies look like they're, they're quality. I love in the... Um, in the product photos, they all every shirt has like a little um, a little wrinkle to it, which gives it um, I don't know it makes it uh, it gives it like a, a three dimensional look. Yeah, yeah, and I started. You can actually see some of the the older photos I've replaced um, since I since I started, but I kind of started with that style and stayed with it to keep them from being perfectly ironed and flat and. Uh, you know, just looking like a digital mock-up. Since I actually take each shirt and photograph it individually, um, getting it to lay right and getting the design to to look right on the shirt, and then give it a little bit of depth with that, the the imperfection or the wrinkles um, throughout the shirt. Yeah, God, that's such a good look. I never like I never thought about it until I saw it here, and I'm like, it's intentional and it looks so good. <laughs> Thanks. It's oh. it's a funny process because it's actually not as easy because I'm doing each shirt individually. So I spend quite a bit of time uh, first ironing the shirt and then laying it out and, and moving it around and changing the light on it just so that the, the wrinkles, not necessarily every wrinkle is in place, but getting it so that it aesthetically works and the shape of the shirt looks correct. And uh, um, it's, yeah, it's definitely a tedious process, but I think it's it's worth it when you see it all together. Yeah, it's funny how like how much effort goes into making it look like just the right amount of, of unkempt. Exactly. The um, yeah, God, these hoodies are. Uh, you just like on the hoodies, especially. You can just see that it's it's higher quality. But yeah, okay, I'm gonna stop window shopping. All right. So having you've gone through this this journey, what um, what's one tip you would give uh, someone just starting out in e-commerce? Just one tip. Um, there's a lot of tips, but I think the first thing I would say is make sure that the product is there before you even think about starting an e-commerce shop. Um, I know you can resell other people's products or curate and, and resell, um, but if you're designing and producing your own products, um, make sure that those have been refined, kind of like we talked about earlier. Um, if you're releasing a shirt, make sure the shirt's are the quality you want um, and don't put out something subpar and then spend the rest of the time designing this incredible website but the products really aren't anything unique so focus a lot of time on on your story and what the brand is going to represent before even getting into the the e-commerce portion of it because I feel like that's just an extent the e-commerce is just the bridge you know that's the extension just a tool. of getting that brand out there exactly yeah no that makes a lot of sense I see you know um, with the stores we've launched the ones that are like by far the most likely succeed or with, you know, someone who's made something, designed something, um, just because they're, they're passionate about it. And that always carries through, um, and makes it work versus someone who's just like, I'm going to drop ship something. Well, you know, you don't really care about the product and there's no, like you have no relation to it and it, it ends up showing it always does. So yeah, essentially, you know, you've got to do, um, I'm going to take the advice of one of your shirts and, and do what you love, love what you do. Yep, that sums it up perfectly. (laughs) Well, cool. Um, Jeff, this has been great. Thank you for for joining us. Sure. Yeah, thanks for chatting.